doors, bolt your windows, and turn off the lights. Welcome to Michael Myers Minute. Where I delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Lori exit frame and second one were outside the bedroom proper. She goes to the bathroom door and knocks softly. Second five. Lori. Tommy unlocked the door. There's a silence and the door opens. The script says on the other side are Tommy and Lindsay looking utterly terrified. Lori bends down and shields them from the sight of the shape. In the film we get less of a visual because the camera doesn't move. They simply emerge from the bathroom. Tommy emerges first. Lori, come come here. here. Lindsay emerges. Lori. And this is where the dialogue gets weird, because you have the dialogue that's in the film, you have the dialogue that's in the script, and then in three years, you get the dialogue from Halloween 2, which used, clearly it's footage from the same filming, because the kids are the same age, but they've taken it, I think, from different takes, and in one case, a different angle. So the dialogue is a little weird. I have a lot of parts that are in red, parts that are purple, parts that are crossed out, parts that are crossed out in red. Just bear with me. In the script, Lori says, now I want you to walk to the door, down the stairs, and right out the front door. Lindsay says, you're coming with us. Neither of those lines happen. In the movie, Lori says, listen to me, I want you to go down the stairs and out the front door, and I want you to go down the street to the Mackenzie's house. And I want you to tell them to call the police and send them over here. Listen to me. I want you to go down the stairs and out the front door. I want you to go down the street to the Mackenzie's house. I want you to tell them to call the police. And tell them to send them over here. Three years from now, in 1981, Halloween 2, minute 1, second 51, we hear this line of dialogue over a crane shot of the Doyle house. There are a few changes. For whatever reason, they used a different take, as I said. Lori says, no, I want you to listen to me. I want you to go out of the house and down the street to the Mackenzie's house. I want you to listen to me. I want you to go out of the house and down the street to the Mackenzie's house. Second 58, we're in the entryway to that master bedroom. And Lori continues. I want you to knock on their door. I want you to tell them. I want you to knock on their door. I want you to tell them to... And that minute ends. Halloween 2 Minute 2 continues the line, still with minor changes. To call the police and send them over here. All right. Call the police and send them over here. All right? For comparison's sake, here's both. Listen to me. In Halloween, 30 Years of Terror, we see the Mackenzies, Joe and Mary. Prior to this particular occasion, they didn't answer their door on Halloween night. Joe, watching television, tells Mary, I tell you, Mary, the stuff they show these days is depraved. I know it's Halloween, but the times sure are catching up with us. Mary explains in her narration, We loved children very much, but trick-or-treating was just too much for Joe, bless him. He'd never admitted to me, but he always felt out of place and old before his time. But the year was 1978, and in 1978, all the change that Joe feared was happening right outside our window. Tommy. He says Lori, and he says something inaudible. And Lori says, now do you understand me? Go, do as I say. 
In the Halloween 2 take, she simply says, Now do as I say. And as they leave, she says, Go. The script says she stands up and guides the children carefully across the bedroom to the door and ushers them outside. She, of course, doesn't really usher them. Tommy gets up first. Lindsay follows suit. They leave. Second 32, Lindsay pulls on her presumably borrowed pajama pants like they're too long. Lori remains. She watches for a moment as they leave. Second 34, they're out of frame and Lori slumps down against the door frame in an exhausted heap. Second 37 here, second 18 in minute 2 of Halloween 2, cut to. Interior, Doyle House, angle through bedroom door, night. We see through the bedroom door. In the foreground sits Lori, slumped against the door frame, staring out at nothing. Tears streaming down her face, in background lies the shape. Slowly, Lori begins to pull herself together once again. She gets up to her knees and begins to pull herself up to her feet. Her back is to the shape. The script says, as she starts to stand, the shape sits up, the head turning to Lori. The shape stirs first, second 43, sitting up. And second 46, beat. Second 47, his head turns. Low notes kick in. Second 49, cut to exterior, Doyle house, night. Tommy and Lindsay run out of the house and down the walk to the sidewalk. They rush up the street. As they leave frame, we see Loomis on the other side of the street. That's what the script says. Really, second 52, angle on Loomis. Walking in front of 1357 Genesee, his radar is pretty fucking faulty because in terms of filming locations, he is still just right across the street from the stolen station wagon. Today this house is barely visible because of its hedge. Tommy, come on. He watches the children with a puzzled frown. The script gives us Loomis's POV, Tommy and Lindsay, shrieking with fear. Tommy and Lindsay run off the sidewalk, angle on Loomis. He stares at them for a moment, then moves to the Doyle house. We get one less camera change because Carpenter as director was more efficient than Carpenter as writer. Tommy, off screen, come on. Second 56, angle on Doyle House. And finally it is lit well enough that the front yard situation is more obvious. The front walk immediately turns right from the porch toward the driveway. While Lori crossed directly to the door when she arrived in minute 35, as did Annie and Lindsay in minute 51. And Lori just stumbled through in minute 79. There are brick pillars, which today have a fence between them, and a low hedge. But here there is a gap in that hedge, just left of center. Not a sidewalk, though. Tommy, come on. Tommy runs out of frame to the left. Lindsay doesn't quite make it before we get the reverse on Loomis, second 58. He steps purposefully toward camera. And the minute ends. But let's backtrack. Well, this is chapter two of the novelization of Halloween Two by Jack Martin. Loomis came to another street, a peaceful tree-lined lane filled with more classic two-story houses and old oaks. It was no different from any other street in this section of town. He paused under a grove of trees strung with crepe paper, streamers blowing in the wind. He noted the corner, getting his bearings. It was a wide street with close-cropped lawns and well-kept yards, tidy and conservative. Loomis was not reassured. Now a last echo of Halloween play sounded from one of the yards. Squealing laughter. It lifted on the night air and rose over the housetops to be lost on the rushing autumn wind. 
The sound set his teeth on edge. Nothing seemed simpler and normal to him anymore. He tried to hold the irrational side of his nature in check, but it was no use. In terms of what he knew now, the wailing might easily have been the keening of banshees. Where was the distinction? Just then a little boy came running from the porch of a house on the other side of the street. A late trick-or-treater, thought Loomis. But really, where was the dividing line between ritual and reality, between costumed play-acting and genuine monsters? Was the difference only in how seriously one played the game? Take that little tyke, for instance. He's running like he believes the gates of Hades have really opened behind him, tripping over his costume. His face smeared with makeup, his wailing certainly seems genuine enough. Who's to say it isn't true? Do I know what he has seen? Does anyone? It's real to him. We should all be so easily convinced. Perhaps it would increase our potential for survival. His wailing... Loomis frowned. The little boy wasn't laughing. He was crying. He was beyond tears. Someone must have played a particularly frightful joke on him in his costume. It wasn't a costume. The child was in his pajamas. And his face, it wasn't a mask and it wasn't makeup. It was smeared with... What? Could it be blood? Loomis stiffened. He heard more crying, screaming. Above the sudden pounding of the pulse in his ears, a little girl with dark hair flying came running behind the boy. Was she chasing him? No. Fear contorted her face into an expression of sheer horror. She was too terrified even to glance back over her shoulder at whatever she was running from. Loomis had not seen such an expression in years. Not since the police photographs of the faces of the two victims who were slashed to death fifteen years ago. In this very town. Only a few blocks away. Now the two children were tearing across the lawn. The sidewalk slapping dark outlines of their tiny feet on the pavement. Loomis took quick steps. The children spotted him, but just kept running, screaming even louder. They passed him, trying desperately to grab hands, but pulling apart as their toes scraped cement. They were running for their lives. Help, they shrieked. Help, mister, the boogeyman. Keep going, shouted Loomis. Don't stop and don't look back, no matter what you see or hear. He's in the house. He's... Get your asses out of here, Loomis yelled. The house. Not the old Myers house this time. Not his old stomping grounds. Another house. Apparently one picked at random. Why? Because, thought Loomis, there's no one left to kill in the Myers house. He has to seek new blood. Why didn't I think of that? Loomis sprinted full out across the lawn. Before he got to the porch, he heard more screaming. Inside. Upstairs. The door stood open on darkness. He kicked it back and jumped inside. And that's enough of that for now. That is all for Minute 86. Actually, before I finish it, I should note, in case you missed it, there are mistakes there. There is no reason for Tommy's face to be smeared with blood. And there were only, there was only one victim 15 years ago. Not two. Some odd there. Although I do like this uh, this writer. His writing is much better than uh, Deuter up the first novelization. But anyway, that is all for Minute 86. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram Michael Myers Minute. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.